Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read the last few verses of Matthew chapter 11. Verses 28 to 30. And uh, just so that you understand what's going on in this particular portion of Scripture, Jesus has done miracles. He's had a crack at some people as well for their hardness of heart, despite all of his mighty works. He points to his supremacy and to his authority, him being himself. He is the one that knows the Father. The Father knows him, and only the ones that the Son brings to the Father may know the Father. So he's pointing to his own authority, and then he comes and he says a few words that we're going to spend time talking about today. This is what it says in the New Living Translation. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, Excuse me, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Here we see Jesus giving a few verses a different way, a new way of living, which is, in a sense, an invitation that comes with a promise. It's a beautiful, wonderful invitation that is assured of a promise. Jesus says to us, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The first thing he says is, come to me. What's he doing? Well, Jesus is personally inviting us to come to him personally. What Jesus is not doing is he's not saying, come to religion. He's not saying, come to religion. The Pharisees were doing that. The Pharisees were saying, come to religion. The Pharisees were saying, come to my teaching. The Pharisees were saying, come to my yoke. That's what they were saying. And Jesus is putting a poke in the eye of these religious people and these ways of teaching. And he's saying, come to me. Come to me. He's not saying come to religious teachings even. He's not saying come to religious meetings. He's saying come to me. He's not saying come to church. He's not even saying come to the Bible. He's not saying come to prayer meetings. He's not saying come to life group meetings. Is it good to come to church? Sure. It's great. It's important. We're given the pattern every week to come to church, not once a month, not once every three weeks or every two weeks. Every week it was the custom to come to church. Is it important to read the Bible? Yes, it is important to read the Bible. We're led to read the Bible. We see the Bereans searching the scriptures. But you can come to church and still miss Jesus. You can come to the Bible and still miss Jesus. The Pharisees did that. The Pharisees knew the word inside and out that they missed the fact that the whole of Scripture was pointing to Jesus. And Jesus points this out for himself. He says this. Is it important to come to life group meetings, to come to conversations together and do life on life with people? It absolutely is, but you can still miss Jesus. You might even be in this church community and perhaps you've been coming for a long time. Maybe the very reason why you've come to a church meeting like this is not for Jesus. Maybe it's to get your kids looked after. Not today because you're looking after the kids yourself. 
Maybe it's to find a husband, to find a wife. Maybe it's to find friends. I don't know. Maybe you've come for the coffee. Hallelujah. I sense the anointing all over that one. And maybe you've landed in a place like this and you have discovered Jesus, though it's not your initial intention. The good thing, the beautiful thing about Jesus is sometimes he will use what, it, what he needs to to get our attention that we would come to him. Jesus invites you, come to me, come to me. He has the authority, remember, he doesn't say, come to a meeting I'm going to hold. He says, come to me. He's meaning, come, you come to me. It's an incredible opportunity, a wonderful invitation. Some of you would have heard before, I, I at times, I'll drive past the ocean. I was doing it yesterday. I was along the coast. And again, I felt like a little kid looking at the ocean going, whoa, look at that ocean. God, you're so good. At times, especially around creation, I, I have this, um, this childlike wonder of the beauty of creation. And when I think about creation, I know that all things were created through him and for him. So when I see creation, I can't help but see Jesus in it. I see his fingerprints all over it. But I don't want to just get caught at being wondered by creation. I want to see him in creation. Yesterday in the evening, uh, I was just on the phone uh, to, to, to someone. And as I'm walking, I'm looking at the trees and the wind just blowing. I'm like, I'm getting distracted on the phone. Look at the trees. I think, oh my goodness. I'm a creation guy. That's, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about you, but maybe it's, it's you're listening to some great music and you're taken to a place and you can appreciate the goodness of God. Maybe it's in, in activism, doing good things, uh, to, for, uh, uh, standing up for, for the poor and the impoverished. And maybe you feel a connection to God there. Maybe it's in acts of service. I don't know. There are different ways that different people can connect to God, but I'm here to tell you, don't lose Jesus in the process. He says, come to me, come to me. This is a personal invitation to him personally. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. So Jesus says, come to me, but he only actually invites a select group of people there are conditions in fact preconditions to the invitation he doesn't just say come everyone he says come to me everyone who weary and carry carry heavy burdens but in a sense who's the invitation to what's well, to everyone who's in need who's in need we're all in need the difference is, will we admit that we're in need or not? Every one of us is carrying stuff. Every single one of us. And God knows this. But he's speaking to the people that will own up to their impoverished state. He doesn't say, come to me when you've cleaned up your act. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, 
Come to me, all of you, once you're perfect. Once you've ticked all the boxes and you're ready, then come to me. No, he says, hey, if you are weary and if you are carrying heavy burdens, um, it says in the uh, uh, ESV or the New King James or the NASB, a more literal translation will say, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. We don't kind of use those words anymore, heavy laden. But he says, come to me those who labor and are heavy laden. Uh, one commentator says that uh, when we labor, we are the ones that are doing the work. The heavy laden is the work that people might be imposing on us. So he is saying, come to me, everyone. If, if, if you're feeling heavy, if you're weary on the inside, I'm not just talking. This isn't a, a call for if you're physically tired and you're physically exhausted. This is an internal state of being. If you are weary and heavy laden, come to me. Come to me, if that's you. In Matthew 23, verse 4, it says, For they, Jesus says, For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. He's having a crack at religious people here. What's he saying? These religious people bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You know, God despises when we, in the name of God, put heavy burdens on each other because that is not the message of the kingdom. The gospel is the beauty that God has done the work for us. Religion says, I will work hard to have God love me. The gospel says, I have done the hard work to show that I already love you. That's the beauty of the gospel. God has come down into humanity and he's put skin on. The creator has become as creation to seek out and to save us. And what do we do? We just access it by faith. We believe. We say, yes, thank you. Jesus puts the invitation out to all of us that are weary and we carry heavy burdens to come to him. Now, my question for you is, what is making you weary? In your soul right now, what is it that you're carrying that you should not be carrying? There is a battle for your soul, believe it or not. The world that we're living in is looking for your attention and your affection and your adoration and it can wear you down. What are you carrying? Is it pressure, expectation you're putting on yourself? Is it pressure, expectation you're allowing others to put on yourself? Perhaps it's a pressure or expectation you're self-imposing because you think if I could live this way, if I could do that thing, if I can achieve that purpose, then God will love me all the more. Again, we've said before and we'll say again, the beauty of the perfected work of the Son of Jesus on the cross is that in Him and through Him, God loves you more now than He ever will. That will not change. There is nothing that you can do that can cause Him to love you anymore. And in the same token, there is nothing that you can do to cause him to love you any less. He loves you completely and perfectly 
through the Son. Because remember, we are hidden with Christ in God, and where the Son is, so are we. We right now are seated in the heavenly places. We are with Christ at the right hand of the Father, and He is well pleased with you right now. So in light of that revelation, why, why, why do I need to carry all these heavy burdens? Why, why, why do I need to be so weary on the inside? Why is it that we as Christians, I'm sure I'm not the only one, that sometimes slip on into the ways and the thinking and the pressures of the world? What makes you weary? And when you are weary, when you do feel heavy burdened, where do you go? Or to whom do you go? Because we all go somewhere. Have you ever got to the end of the day and you're just so tired and all you want to do is just plonk yourself on the couch and hold the TV and just flick, 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 flick. What's on TV? Oh, this is so restful. <laughs> I'm so refreshed right now. Let me see what's happening on KO. That's me. I like what's happening on the sports channel or the AFL. Let's not go there. Or the cricket or the rugby. Definitely not go there. This is not a good year for sport. I feel even more wearisome right now. Or maybe maybe you don't maybe you don't go to the sports, maybe you go to Netflix, maybe you go to the freezer or the fridge. Am I the only one that likes a little ice cream or two now and again? My kids have got a little stash of ice creams in the freezer. And dad does like a take a little ice cream now and again. Where do you go? Where do you go? I'm not talking about <laughs> That's okay, have an ice cream, watch the sport. That's not what I'm talking about. But where do you go to fill your lack? Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or maybe, maybe it's just the internet. Where do you, where, where do you veg out? What, where do you go to fill your cup? Because there are going to be moments where we're going to be a little bit empty. And Jesus says, hey, listen, when you're in lack, come to me when you're feeling like that. Come to me. And I will give you rest, he says. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Jesus promises to give us something that no one else can. You know, no one else can truly meet those internal needs like Jesus. Nobody else. I will give you rest. How does he give us rest? Well, he gives us of himself. He gives us of himself so liberally. And freely, I will give you rest, Jesus says. We can't find rest in the world as we do, as we look for rest in those other places. All we do is we become more restless. We become unrested. And it's just heavy. Jesus, come to me. I'll give you the rest you need. Because what you get from me, you can't get from anyone else. Those momentary fixes can actually be unhelpful and unhealthy. Let me give it to you. King David says in Psalm 23, um, I'll go to the ESV first, actually. I know we've got the Living Bible, but it says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But the Living Bible says this, Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. He lets me rest in the meadow grass and leads me beside the quiet streams. He gives me new strength. He helps me do what honors him the most. How does a sheep experience rest? See, David was a shepherd. He knew what it was to look after sheep. But how does a sheep feel or experience that the sheep is at rest? Well, by the absence of fear and the presence of feed. The absence of fear and the presence of being fed. See, when we come to Jesus, he comes to me. Listen, you don't need to fear. You don't need to fear. Fear not. How many times do we read that in the scriptures? One of my girls just uh, this last week, Dad, do you know how many times it says, do not fear in the Bible? I gave her the answer and she goes, well, how did you know that, Dad? I said, I'll read. The absence of fear and the presence of being fed. I love knowing that the Lord Jesus himself feeds my soul. He does it. So may we feast on him. Everything that comes from his mouth is bread to my soul. I don't know about you. I get distracted sometimes. But I just need a continual reminder that he's my daily bread. My daily bread. Every day I need him. I will give you rest. Rest then is not an action of the flesh. It's not a place we go to for us as God's children, as God's sheep. Rest is a posture of the heart. It's a decision that a heart is inclined to depend and to lean on him. Are you leaning on him today, friends? Is your heart postured toward him today? Maybe it's just a a gentle, loving reminder to again calibrate ourselves to him and upon him. Because he is enough. He's enough. It's not Jesus and, it's just Jesus. It's not I come to him so that he can do and take me and add to and multiply. and He's the destination. It's Jesus. He's the fulfillment. He's the reward. He's the peace. He's the shalom. He's the rest. It's all in him. Now let's read the last couple of verses. It says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Jesus says, let me teach you. So he says, come to me. I will give you rest. Now, now do me a favor, Jesus says. Let me teach you. Is that a once-off? Is that a continual? For us to be taught, there must be the presence of humility. There is no teachability without a humility. And if we think we've got it all together, that's just the height of arrogance. 
We must have a humble, postured heart when we come to him so that we can let him teach us. And, and who's going to teach us? What kind of king is going to teach us? Well, a king, a rabbi, a teacher, that he himself is humble and gentle. Jesus himself is humble and gentle. We see him talking about his own character right here. The only time you'll see Jesus talking about himself. What does he say about his own character? He says, I'm humble and I'm gentle. When we're at our worst, the best type of people you want to be around are those that are humble and gentle. When we're at, our, at the ends of ourselves, when there's nothing left, when we're weary, when we're heavy laden, when we're burdened, we get around someone that is humble and gentle and see how you feel. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I'm humble, I'm gentle. Come to me and let me teach you. He starts talking about eggs. He starts talking about eggs. Take my eggs upon you. You'll find rest for your souls. For my egg is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Of course, that's not what he's talking about. Um, in first century Judaism, in fact, in today, we understand a yoke that what he's referring to is something that would look like this. That's a yoke. That's what he's referring to, a yoke. Um, often of wood and in the context of uh, a couple of animals, particularly uh, cows, let's see how they work. So that's what, a, that's what a yoke would look like. That's what a yoke would look like. So what Jesus is saying is he's saying, take my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke was was something that joined together usually two oxen, one an experienced oxen. One was an animal that knew what he was doing. He was a little bit older. He was a little bit wiser. And then they would pair up a younger oxen to come with the older, more mature oxen who knew what he was doing. And the younger oxen would learn how to work would learn where to go, would learn how to respond from the older, more mature and wiser oxen. So Jesus is giving a picture. He's saying, my yoke, my direction, my teaching, my way of living is easy to bear. And the burden that I give you is light. If what you're carrying is too heavy, it's probably not of God. If there has been something that has been imposed upon you, whether it be self-imposition or others, others imposed, could well not be God. Because that's not of Him. He says it's light. It's easy. It's easy. Do you know what that word easy actually means? That the word is krestos in the Greek. And it's interpreted as well-fitting. So when it says easy, it's not just something easy. It, it just fits you really well. So, um, Jesus, would you come to the stage, please? Jesus, come. <laughs> You've always wanted to be like Jesus. Now's your chance. Okay. So, Jesus over here, 
says, come to me. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. and You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. So put your yoke over me. Now I'm joining myself up to Jesus. Now, now it's actually easier for a younger, inexperienced novice of an oxen to function under the guidance of the more mature oxen, this being Jesus, a.k.a. Gary. Now, lead me, Gary. Where are we going? Now, this is Jesus with us. He takes us in, and I am learning from him. I'm learning how to live. I'm learning how to love. I'm learning how to... Now, but what happens? What if I want to do my... I don't like it anymore. That's when it becomes hard. That's when it becomes difficult. And dare I say, sometimes we are like this. Jesus is saying, hang on, hang on. Take it, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. But no, I, I, I like this. This, this silver shiny thing over here. I, I, I've heard a different doctrine. I've heard a different way of life. Let me go this way, Lord. And it's becoming burdensome now. It's harder because I've committed to Jesus, but I'm also kind of in my heart. I'm moving in a different direction. But the best way is when I enjoy the way of Jesus leading me. This is the way of the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Wasn't he a great Jesus? So, the invitation is from the Lord Jesus himself. He says, come to me. Now, whether we realize it or not, we are all yoked to something. Did you know that? Well, I don't like the idea of Jesus making me fall under his yoke. I don't like the idea of having to tie myself down to somebody. To Jesus saying, it's actually easier for you. Your, your self-justification, your self-righteousness, your, your, your good deeds to try and get God's approval and get into his good books. I'm telling you, folks, Jesus, Jesus says, come to me. I've done it for you. I'm carrying it. You just come to me. I'm doing the heavy lifting. I've achieved it all for you. Come to me. Let me do it. But without realizing, we think, well, that's tying me down. I don't want to be tied down to that. I don't want to be tied down. I want to be my own God. I want to be on the throne of my own life. Thank you very much. I want to drive the car. I want to, to, to have the keys to the home. I don't want to hand that over, that authority. I don't want to give it to Jesus because I can do it myself. But as time goes on, we think we're living in liberty and freedom, but we're not. We're actually under the yoke of bondage and slavery. Because if we're not intentional, we actually find ourselves yoked to something else or someone else. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. So this idea of the yoke, we can see uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14, for example, Paul says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What's the context there? What's the context? Relationships? Don't muck around with unbelievers, Christians. It's pretty clear. Because when you're doing that in your relationships, particularly your serious ones, your marriage relationships, when you do that, 
it's not going to work out well for you. So Paul instructs us. He says, listen, be careful who you yoke yourself with. What does it say in uh, Galatians 5.1? For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. The same thing. So when Jesus talks about a yoke, it's, it's people understand what he's talking about. Don't bind yourself. Don't come under the leadership and the authority of something or someone that's going to be helpless. That's going to be counterproductive. It's going to be unhealthy. But I will give you rest, Jesus says. Who's going to give it? Where was the idea of rest first established? Genesis chapter 2. Check this out. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. What did he do? He rested. Top of the class to you. Extra chocolate. Thank you very much. He rested on the seventh day. Now, was God physically tired from all that work? He wasn't physically tired. He rested. What does that mean? Well, he finished what he needed to do. He had completed the work. He'd done the job. Finito. Done. Tetelestai. Accomplished. It was done. And after it was done, he rested. And he then sets a pattern for the whole of the universe to participate in. Jesus himself, when he was on the cross, he says on the cross, it is accomplished, it is completed, finished, tetelestai. And now he is resting. He's resting. We now have the invitation to come and find that rest, that Sabbath, that Shabbat in him. Not just I'm going to sleep, I'm going to, I'm going to go snoozy land for a few days, though that is, sounds quite inviting for me right about now. It's not just a physical one. It's an internal, eternal state of being. A rest that we find in the person and the presence by the power of Jesus Christ himself. When he invites you to experience rest, he invites you to experience himself. He says, come and taste and see that I'm good. Taste and see. Come on, enter it. But how do we enter it? How do we get it? How do we attain it? We do it by faith. By believing. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation. Galatians, excuse me, not Galatians. Let's go to Hebrews. Naughty me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. God's promise of entering his rest still stands so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news, that God has prepared this rest, has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because, watch this, they did not share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. Let's go down to verse 9 to 11, as the musician comes, please. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. 
For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, their hard work, just as God did after creating the world. So let us, watch this, let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we, if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. A more literal translation says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Let us work hard, which, which might sound like um, a weird juxtapositioning of, of, of opposite words. Like what? Strive, work hard to enter rest? Yes. The only thing you've got to work hard at is just entering into rest. How do we do that? Well, by faith, Lord, I see what's going on around me. There's so much noise. There's so much pollution. There's so much distraction. So I am just going to posture my heart by faith in you. Strive to enter into the rest that we would find in the person of Jesus. We are always at our best when we are at rest. And how do we really experience that rest? When we're in Jesus, to experience, to savor, to enjoy the person and the presence of Jesus. So this morning, as we finish, what I'd love to do is I just want to finish with worship and prayer. Can we do that? Just, just for four or five minutes. And as we consider the invitation that Jesus says, come to me. You personally come to me personally. Don't come through your parents. Don't come through your children. Don't come through your spouse. Don't come through your leader, your pastor. You, you just come to me. So the invitation is put out. Let's come to him and cast all our cares on him. Cast all our cares on him. Um, Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. A little translation says, you can cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Another version will say, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. What are the cares or the anxieties that you've got in your heart that you're holding that you're not letting him have? He invites us, he says, give it to me. Come to me, give it to me. And in exchange, as you give that to me, I'll give you rest. Would you stand with me, please? If you're comfortable, would you raise your hands toward heaven? We're just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and to do some surgery in our hearts as we perhaps we're either realigned or we're going to have an exchange that takes place or maybe both. And then let's just worship together. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we ask, Lord, for you to search our hearts and we want to come to you now personally to again experience the rest found in Jesus. And Father, in this moment, I ask that you would refresh our hearts and our minds and where we have, where we have come under the yoke or the slavery even, the bondage 
of other things or other people or other systems or other ideologies, Lord, we, we take that off right now in our hearts. We take it off and we again come under the yoke that is liberating, the yoke that is easy, that is light, that is refreshing. And Father, we ask in this moment you to do a supernatural work in our hearts. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.